Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is Friday morning. still have a little crack in my voice. Keep praying. It's definitely getting stronger, and I'm going next week um, to record the audiobook for Penguin Random House for Hope is the First Dose. And this is the second um, Hope Talk. I told you um, I invited a bunch of uh, my endorsers for the book and, and a bunch of other people with great stories um, to talk about hope and to tell a little bit of their story and, and we can have a good conversation about just how do we find hope when life is hard. And today's guest, I am really excited, uh, is Tracy Rhodes. She's a writer and blogger uh, from Michigan and her um, blog really is, her blog and books have, have meant a lot to me, but I found her on Twitter. Um, Tracy started a, a Twitter account a few years ago and I somehow ran across her and it was just this little balm of, of pleasantry on Twitter. If you look at Christians on Twitter, like of all the things that Christians could be doing with social media, they're for the most part, they're not out there calling out things that are happening in society or holding government to a high standard. Or they're not they're not doing that stuff. For the most part, they're shooting at each other. It's this big circular firing squad on Twitter. And I found Tracy and her account was just so pleasant. Like she just she just posts questions and she posts polls and and she'll say, like, does your church do confession or tell us about uh, the hymnal that you used? What was your songbook like or or which one of these five hymns is the most hopeful to you? you Things like that. And it would just spawn these great discussions from people from all over Christendom, from different backgrounds and different heritages talking about their experience and learning from each other and, and it was just fascinating and that led me to read her first book which is called Not All Who Wander Spiritually Lost and I discovered Tracy was a person who just sort of wondered like what would my ancestors have what would their church have been like what would their worship services have been like because if you go back far enough your denomination hasn't always been around okay my denomination for example that I grew up in was adamant that it wasn't a denomination, for one thing, because they taught that somehow there was Jesus and the apostles, and then over time people messed up the church, and for thousands of years there wasn't anybody who knew how to really be a Christian until the 19th century when a couple of guys in Kentucky and a couple of guys in Pennsylvania somehow sorted it all out and started the group that I grew up in. But that's literally what they taught. Like, like nobody else knows how to be a Christian except us. And so my point here being, Tracy wondered what her ancestors were like and what their church would look like. And so she started researching like other groups and, and what their traditions are. And what she found, surprisingly, was that there's a lot to be learned from other Christians, from other types of groups. And it was just fascinating. So her book, Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost, is sort of that story of, of just looking at the church. And Christ Church, I just had a wonderful conversation with a man named Derwin Gray, who I'm going to introduce you to in a week or two, and you're going to love that episode. Derwin talked about the fact that the church is multi-ethnic. It's multicultural. It's not it, the church worldwide. It doesn't look like my church did on Sunday mornings for the most part. It's not a group full of American white people. The church is multi-ethnic. The the church, Jesus said, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and every nation, tribe, and tongue are part of his church. So the 
the church that we worship in, if you think about it that way, in the new kingdom, is going to look a whole lot different than our churches do on Sunday. So um, Tracy's work in Not All Who Wander Spiritually or Lost was really eye-opening for me. And she comes across in her writing uh, like a like a good friend or a, a trusted advisor, a sister or a mother kind of figure that, that uh, and she's younger than me, but um, when you when you read her writing, it's, it's this voice of someone who is trying to help you find Find your way. And that really led to her second book, which is called Shaky Ground. And Shaky Ground, What to Do When the Bottom Falls Out, was Tracy's response to the COVID pandemic. When the world seemed to be going crazy, what do we do? Do we go nuts? Do we do we hide ourselves away in bunkers? How, how do we handle things when, when the world falls apart? And what she did was she went back to her faith and she said, what have people throughout history, just very consistent with her first book, what have people throughout history done when life was really hard. And what they did is they fall back on God's promises and on spiritual disciplines and on practices that lead you through hard times and into peace, right? Very much uh, shaky ground reminds me a lot of Richard Foster and Celebration of Discipline. She goes through all these Christian uh, disciplines, really practices that can help you solid, find solid ground, find stabilizing forces when things are hard. So just, these are two great books. And her Substack, by the way, every, every Saturday she releases an email called Saturday Seven and it's like links to encouraging and important things. And her Substack is Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, Rhodes, R-H-O-A-D-E-S, Tracy Rhodes dot Substack dot com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Worth signing up. It's free. Um, and she just is a great writer, but I had reached out to Tracy. Um, we've conversed a couple of times over the years and she's read my books and I've read hers. And, um, I said, Hey, would you be interested in reading my new book? Hope is the first dose and possibly endorsing. And she did wrote a beautiful endorsement that's inside the cover of the new book. Um, and I just reached out to her as I reached out to my other endorsers and said, Hey, want to get together on the podcast and talk about hope. And so Tracy said, I'm in. So we had this great conversation about her life and her work and the church. And it was just wonderful. And I just want to introduce you today to a new friend who's a wise voice, somebody who can help you. You can learn from her. Her books are wonderful. Um, And especially if you've gone through something hard or are going through something hard, this is a great way to think about what to do. Fall back on what people have done in the past that has worked. Okay? You're not the first person that's ever had a hard time. So it's wise to understand. Like Paul told Timothy, it's wise to understand that the Word has the power to give us life and peace again. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 3.15. or three fifteen, He says, I know from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Tracy's point is that the, the, the Word has the power to make the ground solid again when everything's shaking. And so let's look at what the Word says. Let's look at what the church has done. Let's go back and remember. Let's, let's don't be thrown off our feet every time the ground shakes because it's not the first time that's happened in history. And her words are wise. She's a great conversationalist. Had a wonderful time talking with her. And I love the opportunity here to introduce you to a new friend, Tracy Rhodes. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. The good news is Lisa's always telling us as you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. 
you can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Well, friend, we are back, and believe it or not, Tracy, Rose, and I have been talking for 11 minutes, and I forgot to press the record button. So I'm going to introduce you to a new friend. Tracy Rose is with us on the podcast today. Welcome, Tracy. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward Good. to our conversation. Me too, and I know you got your warm your voice warmed up because you were talking. And I looked <laughs> up, and the and the little blinking light wasn't blinking. I was like, "What in the world? I'm not recording this." So anyway, we are having a conversation, friend, with somebody that I met on Twitter. Um, Tracy has a pretty incredible Twitter space for Christians, and and one of the things, Tracy, that I don't think I've ever told you before is I. I, I was drawn to your Twitter account because you asked these questions and sometimes they'll be like, tell me a hymn that means something to you or tell me, you know, some, have you been to vacation Bible school? And people have the most amazing conversations in your, in your, in your feed. And it was refreshing because everybody, not everybody, lots of people in Christian Twitter are shooting at each other all the time. And it's so stressful. And so such a circular firing squad. And your place is this little safe space that felt like a little church. So tell us on the podcast, how did you get into this Twitter church business? Well, I'll start by being honest and saying it was kind of an accident. Yeah, <laughs> um, I started uh, a blog, Traces of Faith, in 2014. And part of blogging, if people remember that archaic art form, um, (laughs) is that you're supposed to post your articles everywhere, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. And so I had a much bigger following at the time on Facebook. And within that following would ask very similar questions to to what you mentioned. And um, I would say Facebook is a little easier space to manage. Like I wasn't the only one having conversations like that on Facebook. But then in 2019, it was about the time I signed my first book deal, I transferred some of those questions over to Twitter. And I don't remember specifically if there was like one question that kind of took off or a viral tweet. I don't know what caused it. I just know that that Facebook kind of safe space I had created transferred over to there and it worked. Yeah. Um, I... I love Twitter because nowhere else on social media in a university in the world that I know of, can you find the caliber of people that you find there? You'll have an individual who teaches Hebrew at Oxford. You'll have a Coptic priest who lives in New Jersey talking to a, you know, country Southern Baptist preacher from Virginia. All of these people come together And 
in a space similar to mine, there are certainly others that are um, doing that work as well. We're able to learn from one another. That's really the catalyst for it. Just this curiosity. You know, I remember one time I asked um, for those Christians who go to confession, what is that like? Like, how does that benefit your faith? Because I've never been to confession. And these threads, because I do by now have a larger following and the algorithm likes that, these threads are just fascinating what people will say and they know they're going to say it and not be judged. You know, every now and then you'll get some interesting person that says, you know, well, you know, I can just talk to Jesus. I don't need to, you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a perfect space, but um, over and over, I'll have people um, tell me, you know, how, how much they learn from those threads, how respectful it stays, how they can't believe I can ask some of the questions I have and keep it respectful. Um, But it's, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. Wow. So obviously that, that desire and kind of hunger that you have to know about different denominations and different traditions, that, that, that obviously is something that, that people are um, drawn to. And and I was, I was raised, for example, in a really small, fairly fundamentalist um, evangelical group um, that, that we had this sort of idea that, we had it all right and nobody else had it right. And we were the only ones going to heaven. And, you know, there used to be this old joke about our group, like you get to heaven and there's all these parties going on. And every time you go into the room, they say, quiet, those guys will hear you. They think they're the only ones here, you know? <laughs> and and so we were that. And and as I've grown up and matured and gotten, hopefully matured and gotten older, I've, I've just seen there's so much depth and, and breadth to the Lord's church. And, and, and he says it clearly, like every, tribe and nation and tongue is part of my church. And so how did that come about for you? Like your first book addresses this, like you wandering around spiritually. Talk, talk about that for a minute. How'd, how'd you get to be this person who was so curious about faith? Yeah, I, I grew up similar to what you're describing. I would not call my experience fundamentalist, knowing now what I know about some fundamentalist experiences, but it was highly conservative and it was um, a, a my very first church was a tiny country church, um, Southern Baptist. And, you know, on Easter Sunday, if we hit 85 to 100, we were, you know, we had packed the house. So that was kind yeah. of my environment. And it was a very small Christian box. Um, it's the best way I know to describe it. And they were good to me. I had a good experience. Um, again, some of the stories you hear, I'm thankful um, for my childhood faith. But um, some of it just naturally, you know, as you, I went to college, I took a humanities class where, you know, I read broader than I had ever read. Um, Yeah. Lived in St. Louis, um, which has a number of Catholics. And so I remember, you know, I tell the story in my first book about um, going to a work meeting on Ash Wednesday. I didn't know that's what it was at the time. And there was a gentleman who had ashes on his forehead. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. I thought maybe he attended his fireplace that morning yeah. and didn't realize that he'd left a smudge, you know, on his forehead. And so I just slowly but surely started learning, you know, all of these different things that I was like, I was like, huh, you know, and loved visiting cathedrals, always loved the church so deeply. And then about the time I started writing, 
um, online, I also started reading. Um, you know, whenever you're writing a blog, you want to read people who have blogs. And then the doors were just blown wide open. I mean, I learned yeah. about all these services and all of these um, traditions and uh and it it sounds kind of funny, but it's true. I realized that people I would have maybe at one point thought, oh, I don't even know if they're Christians, were actually yeah. super godly, super godly, like after Jesus with their whole heart kind of godly. That's right. And it was over from there, you know. Um, and it's funny, right now I'm doing a Bible study on Galatians. And, you know, um, 10, 15 years into this journey of exploring different church traditions. And I'm like, yep, freedom. You know, I mean, I almost go yeah. charismatic when I'm reading Galatians because now it makes so, like you said, every tribe, every nation, he meant that. He didn't mean, you know, if it's if it's not. And I don't even know that, um, like I say, I wouldn't call it fundamentalist. Um, I, I, I really thought like that's the faith that everyone had been handed. I didn't yeah. take into account, like, of course, Africans are going to do it differently in a whole different continent. You know, right. I mean, so, yeah, just um, I guess a sheltered upbringing probably that uh, doesn't feel so sheltered anymore. And with the Internet, I mean, you can discover as much as you want, as much as you That's want. Right. You, you still have to make it your own. I will say that, you know, I mean, if I visit a Greek Orthodox church, I'm still visiting. <laughs> but. Right. At least, at least I have those opportunities. That's right. So your first book was was uh, not all who wander spiritually are lost, yes. and I uh, love the Tolkien reference. And yes. so, to, to talk for a second about the, the writing and how that came about, and 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 uh, your experience with uh, entering the world as an author, which is different than a blogger, and mm -hmm. uh, what's that been like for you? Well, when I first started writing, it was. Um, uh, what was it? Six years, I guess, before a book came out in its final form. I remember thinking, how does anyone write a book? Like, that's a lot of words. And I don't even yeah. know what I would write about to have that many words in me. Um, and then I like to say that the best way to write into a book is to write. <laughs> right? right. And so um, and so many blog posts fed the idea of the book. When I started Traces of Faith, um, I thought, well, it can be very broad. We're just looking for traces of faith in everyday life, whatever that looks like. That could be yeah. you know, through motherhood, that could be through a job, whatever. Well, it pretty quickly honed in um, on that idea of church unity, of exploring church traditions, of learning from other Christians. And that gave me the material I needed um, then to become the, the book. And what's unique about that book that um, worked very well, I get a lot of um, compliments on it. And it was a, actually a later addition to the book is that I tell my story of church from birth up to now. But then I also weave in 16 of my um, friends and some of them are writer friends. Some of them are just real life friends who I knew their story. Yeah. Um, and they tell just a portion of their church story that's different than mine. I have um, a story from a Catholic, a story from a Seventh day Adventist. Yeah. Um, et cetera. A and I think that really made that book better um, because uh, spiritual wandering, right, is 
everybody's got a church story. That's um, right. And so it was nice to include uh, those others in it. That's right. And it's a great book and you should get it. I'll put a link in the show notes, friend, um, to Tracy's books. Um, the, the second one, though, so Shaky Ground is your second book, right? Mm-hmm. And so you pivot from church and, and curiosity about denominationalism and, and you pivot to what do you do when the bottom of your world falls out? And and I think that's fascinating. It's really one of the reasons I asked you to, to read my book, Hope is the First Dose, and you were so kind to do an endorsement. And, and your name is in the is inside the jacket, by the way. Um, so thank mm-hmm. you for that. Um, but so so you pivot from church down to the the ground that we walk when life starts to hurt. Now, what led to that second book? Well, again, certainly a journey. That original title for the second book was Spiritual Toolbox. Oh, wow. And and I wanted a cute cover with a toolbox and out of it would come, you know, prayer and like I could see it. I could imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the midst of writing that book, we had a pandemic yeah. and was talking. I actually used the same editor, the same publisher for both books. And I was talking with this editor whom I had gotten to know pretty well and who knew my voice and my work pretty well by this point. And we discovered in a lengthy conversation one afternoon, the times you really need that spiritual toolbox and those things of prayer and silence, um, Bible, you know, study of scripture is when the bottom drops out. Um, And we were certainly living that. And what I had found um, in some ways, I say it's a sequel to not all who wander spiritually are lost. And I'm really fascinated by people who read them back to back because they were actually about two years apart. Um, But it's still very much part of the same journey. And what we discovered um, with shaky ground is that number one, we're going to pick ourselves back up um, from, of course, our foundation in Jesus, but also from one another. And that one another piece is what shaky ground focuses on. So if I'm exploring silence, again, that's a really new concept to me. Like I, one chapter, they're more like essays, but one um, yeah. essay in the book talks about um, a Quaker unprogrammed service, which is where they only speak if the spirit leads. And the one time I visited a Quaker unprogrammed service, the spirit didn't lead. <laughs> And so for an hour, we sat there and I brought my 12 year old daughter along. I'll never forget. She, you know, she was all in like she knows mom yeah. visits churches. So she she came with me and she was ready to do it. And then five or 10 minutes in, she starts like kicking my leg. Like how much longer is this? Like I'm I'm done. I'm out. So um, but anyway, I thought back after that service and, you know, preparing for it too, to the services I attend, I, you know, very much um, parallel to an evangelical experience. I don't know that I would call myself that anymore, but I attend a reformed church and it is definitely contemporary. And if somebody is silent in the service, it's because they miss their cue and Monday morning they're going to get mm. in trouble. You know? So, I mean, we don't do silence. Like you walk into the lobby and praise and worship music is going through the speakers, Right. Um, and so what could, what benefit could we have by adding silence to our services? Yeah. Um, 
And so those are the kinds of things I explore. I'm still wandering, right? So I'm still, you know, gleaning experiences and faith truths from all of these different traditions. But I'm kind of, I'm sharing how they've helped me and what they've taught me and how they will better prepare me and have already for those times that the bottom drops out. Wow. What's the most important thing you've learned from a tradition that's different than the one in which you were raised? Mm, It's probably a tie, but I just talked about silence, so I won't pick that one. Gosh, silence is so important. I'm going to go with um, church history. Yeah. And by that, I don't mean becoming a nerd that reads history books. I mean, um, reading the early church fathers who were like only a generation or two away from the apostles and, um, what, uh, what, what was happening in the church. I know my, you know, I kind of know the Western experience, what was happening over in, um, in Greece and in, um, Ethiopia And all of that um, matters to to where to where we are as a church, as a whole. Um, And just the fact that again, it points again and again to the fact that there are lots and lots of ways to do church, not just the way I'm doing it. Um, And it, um, gosh, it just brings scripture to life. So much. So the more I learn about history, the more I, you know, when I read those sections, um, like when we get to uh, Acts and it talks about, you know, Pentecost, that's so much bigger than I ever, ever, ever imagined. um, Because I now know somebody who, you know, attends church in Nigeria. And I, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I would go with, I would probably go with church history. and. I started at ground zero. Like I'm not positive other than world history class. I could have taught, I could have told you who Luther was. So, I mean, I'm very deficient in church history. Like um, I knew a couple of missionaries uh, that we used to give an offering for in church. And and I think they lived in like the 1950s. So I thought church started about then. Yeah. (laughs) To a certain degree. That's amazing. You know, I I think I learned the most about church history really from reading Richard Foster. You know, he he's talked so much in in his books about the ancient fathers and Julian of Norwich and and all these these great writers from from generations past. And and I didn't know any of it. You know, like you said, I thought. I mean, our group started in the 1800s in Kentucky, and they thought they had it figured all out. You know, and so for for me, it's that's when it started and. And so uh, Richard Foster is going to be on my podcast, by the way, in June, which is oh, amazing. Wonderful. I'm so excited to talk to him. His new book about humility, if you haven't read it, is just I have read stunning, it. isn't it? Yeah. the um, it, I've read, uh, sometimes I get her name wrong, but I don't think I'm going to, Kathleen Nelson. She yeah. um, grew up in the Dakotas and, and Hawaii um, and has written some really beautiful contemplative books. And I would very much liken Richard Foster's new book to that concept, the way he wove um, place and the um, Native American, uh, t- yeah, 
it was, it was a really good book. It was an adventurous book. I felt like. Yeah. Just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, so obviously we're here talking about, um, our, our mutual history and your journey through the church and what to do when the bottom falls out. And, and let's just for a moment, cause we're going to, I promise you about half an hour. Um, my new book is about hope and how to find it when hard things happen. So what's something from your life, Tracy, that's, that, that's an opportunity that you had to, to choose between hope and doubt or hope and hopelessness. And, and how'd you do, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. You will find threads of this story in both books. Um, it, it's one of those topics that I find every time I start to write, too many words about my spiritual life. It creeps up, (laughs) if you will. Um, And that is the individual who was my father. Um, He didn't go to church, um, didn't grow up that way. And my mom did grow up in the church, but I would say was, um, a wandering soul when she met my dad. And so once they were married and she started having children, she got back into the church and knew that was something um, that she needed in her life. Actually um, had a salvation experience while she was pregnant with me. And so was baptized. Uh, So I say I I was baptized twice, but I thank God. (laughs) Um, But was, she was baptized uh, when pregnant with me. And then um, we saw, my brothers and I saw a new Christian just on fire, Um, just so eager to learn, so hungry for God's word, um, such a godly woman. And so I have this constant comparison in my life of a dad who was not living that way and a mom who was all in. um, Wow. And so... um, for the most part, that that's just this in-home picture of godly and, um, I don't want to say ungodly, but ungodly, um, lifestyles, right? And, and how that impacted me. Um, a person who, like I say, all, I think it's almost a gifting of a deep, deep love for the church. And so wow. then to have an individual in your life that you love so dearly, who you call dad, have no part in it. Um, and you know, the, the typical things, well, everybody at church is a hypocrite and, you know, I'll just see him Saturday night at the bar, you know, whatever he had all of the, um, pat answers. But, um, the reason why I say, uh, that I really needed, um, a large dose of hope and grace and forgiveness in that relationship is because, um, there were some holes And, you know, he he could largely be an absent father at times. My parents stayed married my whole childhood. They got um, divorced when I was a young adult. But um, probably around the age of my junior high years, uh, dad was working on the railroad and um, was building a bridge in Chicago. We lived in Missouri and a railroad tie fell on his back Mm. and left him... um, very, very, very damaged. Uh, he never had back surgery. It was kind of a sensitive, um, part of his back. And so, you know, any hint at, Oh, maybe paralysis. He was like, Nope, done. And didn't really do doctors anyway. So he lived with that chronic back pain 
Um, Ultimately, it led to um, Rader and Gregor um, drug use um, to where my father in 2006 passed away um, from a overdose of Mm -hmm. um, methamphetamines. Thank you. Um, And so you have... I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast. And so you have this picture of certainly no saint, but a girl who's wild about church and Christianity and Jesus and just loves it all. And a father who dies of a drug overdose. Um, And I love my daddy, you know, and that's, that's in every book, but um, I'm not the only, I'm I'm probably more in the majority than the, min- <laughs> the minority of having these complicated relationships, right? Yeah. These complexities where um, somebody sure wasn't uh, living the way that you'd hoped they would, didn't come through in some of the ways that you needed them to, but you still had a deep, deep love and respect for the fact that um, he, you know, was my father. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, when you look at uh, times like shaky ground, the night that I got, I was living in Michigan um, by the time um, I was married and we got the call. My um, husband actually took it. The dad had passed away. Mm. And all of a sudden you have these hundreds of conflicting thoughts, right? You yeah. know, because you're, there were um, some extraneous circumstances, uh, to dad's death that we didn't, we had to dig through <laughs> to figure out exactly what happened. It didn't initially look like an overdose. It looked like perhaps a um, homicide um, mm. with a woman that he was spending time, you know, again, um, it, it's almost like something I was watching in a movie because it wasn't my wow. life. It's not, yeah. my, it's not my happy Christian world, but that's um, where, where my dad ended up, unfortunately. Um, and, I, we quick threw some bags in the car and we're going to, you know, drive through the night to Missouri. Well, it was quite, it was pretty late at night and it was about a seven, eight hour drive. And so we went just a few hours down the road to my in-laws and we're going to spend the night there and then finish the drive the next day. And when I got to my in-laws, I realized I didn't have my Bible. Mm. And um, one of the things that I've explored um, on Twitter and Facebook is that idea of holding a prayer rope or an yeah. individual who prays um, with the rosary. And I needed to hold a Bible that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it's still so vivid to me. And so I asked my father-in-law if I could borrow his Bible and I flipped to the Psalms, right? Like we know mentally, yeah. And and spiritually, what to do? I couldn't tell you what psalm I read. I don't even know if I could comprehend the words, but I know what it's like to hold something spiritual in your hand. Wow! For relief, for um, comfort, and I know the psalms are part of that too. Wow, that's beautiful. That's the the tangible part of this Mm -hmm. this. I call it treatment plan, like having something that you've decided on, friend, when you run into that hard thing that you know you can trust, you know you can fall on, you know it's going to be there for you. Promises of God, scripture, physical Bible, um, 
that's a beautiful way to say that, Tracy. And I'm sorry that 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 happened with your father. And um, has has that experience of having struggles with your earthly father and and your relationship with him did that cast um, nuance or difficulty in your definition of God as a father figure? Did that affect that in your world? I think that can go one way or the other. Um, I, I think sometimes it can make it very difficult to trust a heavenly father. For me, yeah. I would say it was the opposite. Um, I, I almost, I had found one who I knew I could trust, right? Like in every way my dad failed, I I realized that God hadn't and wouldn't. It's not who he is. He's not that human nature type of being. And so yeah. for me, I would say it almost enhanced my faith. Wow. Um, I, I had found the, the perfect one, you know, um, and, and was thankful for that. That's amazing. And that, that's exactly right. I think when you know, not just notions about God, but when you know him or pursuing a relationship with him and reading his word and spending time with his people and, and, and really getting to know him, then he comes through for you. And, you know, for me, the, the verse that kept coming back after Mitch died, our son, was Psalm thirty four eighteen when he says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and I and I kept I would read that and I would say I don't feel close to you right now and then my phone would ring and somebody would send me a verse or a prayer right then or somebody would ring the doorbell and they smoked a turkey and they left it with us and we just want to tell you we're thinking about you you know like God was saying I'm close to you right now I'm, I'm sending you people and I'm sending you messages <laughs> you know and it came true right the his care his good character and his love turns out to be true if you just hold on to it. So thank you for that, for sharing that vulnerable story. And, and, um, I just wanted to take a few minutes with you, Tracy, you, your writings meant a lot to me and you're, you're one of the good people on Twitter. And if you're not following Tracy Rose on Twitter, get out there. I'll put the link in the show notes and, and, uh, it's just been so fun, uh, to get to know you a little bit. And, um, I'm just proud of, I'm proud that there are people like you out there, you know, loving the church and, and, inviting people into it and, and looking behind the, the corners of our traditions and, and asking these great questions. So thank you. And, and thank you for your time. And, and, and thank you for reading my book and endorsing it. And uh, your words are inside the cover. And, I, and I'm really, uh, I'm grateful to you, Tracy. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. And I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for your work. It is not the stories you share are um, shaky ground indeed. And so uh, mm. thank you for, you know, for, handling stories of your patients with grace and being yeah. willing to share your story too. Yeah. It's thank all you. deeply meaningful. Thank you. Well, God bless you, friend. It's been such a treat to be with you today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that great? Tracy Rhodes. Listen, her website is traces, T-R-A-C-E-S of faith, traces of faith.com. Her Substack is Tracy Rhodes, T-R-A-C-I-R-H-O-A-D-E-S com. Her books are Shaky Ground and Not All Who Wonder Spiritually Are Lost. I'll put links to the show in the show notes to all of this. Check out Tracy Rose, a great resource for you, somebody you can learn from, a trusted guide when things are hard. And uh, I'm just so grateful 
um, to have all these wonderful folks on the podcast. And I'm glad that you're here listening. It's Friday. I hope you have an amazing weekend. We're going into Memorial Day. I hope you have a day off. Um, I've got some good stuff coming up on the podcast for you. And please continue praying that I get my voice back 100% because i got to record this book in a few days. And I don't want to sound just like this. I want to sound normal. So please, please, please pray. Um, if you got something to pray about, hit the prayer wall, wlwmdcom slash prayer. And don't forget, my friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.